You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Man, it's awesome to be back. Um, Vanessa, Vanessa said, hey, next time you, you decide to start a spiritual warfare series, can you make sure that you're not gone for the first two weeks of that series? Uh, it, it is amazing how when you give attention to spiritual warfare, you become more aware of it. Uh, during during Steve's preach the first week, uh, he, he gave this, this uh, encouragement of staying alert through scripture. And it, it is that awareness that helps us to see and be aware of what's happening and, and recognize and be able to put things in their rightful place of saying, hey, no, this is just, you know, a coincidence or hey, you know, no, this is just a dumb decision I made or no. Yeah, this is the enemy at work. Um, but despite all of that, we know that the enemy can use anything. He can use our attitudes. He can use our circumstances. He can use people. Um, and he can use traffic. Uh, some of us have experienced spiritual warfare during traffic time. Um, but we really need to be aware and have a theology about these things because as the Apostle Paul would encourage the church, he would say things like this, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. And this is a part of spiritual maturity is us, us leaning into things that we need to have a greater understanding of and not just an understanding of or a theology of, but we actually have to have an outer working of it in our life, knowing how to apply that, uh, that theology, right? It's kind of like the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? You can know about it. You can have like book you know, knowledge of something, but actually being able to apply it is where really where kind of like wisdom is, practical, hands-on application. Um, and in, I think in a perfect world, we would never have to talk about spiritual warfare because we, we won't be contending with the enemy. And honestly, this is the prophetic promise of eternity for you and I. The, 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 angel Lucifer once and for all will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity and you and I will no longer be in contention with these evil powers and principalities that we struggle with. And, and, and so there, there's, there's this understanding of, of sanctification of right where we are saved but we are being saved but then on that great and horrible day this when salvation comes jesus takes us up and we are ascended into heaven with him living in all eternity with him these struggles that we contend with these three enemies for for mankind right satan the world and our flesh will no longer be we will no longer be contending with in all eternity this is the prophetic hope that we have in Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Um, and so today I want to do my best to take us into just a different lane. I, I think Brett and Steve did an amazing job um, in these last couple of weeks of, of unlocking things, right? Unlocking things of, of understanding of spiritual warfare. Um, but I also believe that it's us not just knowing that the equipment is there, but being able to put that equipment on and run with it in these areas of spiritual warfare. So I'm gonna pray real quick, and then we will dive into the word of God. Lord, I am thankful for what your word speaks over us, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When he, these these verses that sometimes we know in our head but are harder to apply, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God is for me, who can be against me? But Lord, I pray that it's not just the knowledge of, 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 of your word, but it is the application of your word that we are able to stand firm in times of testing in times of great trial, in times of great peril. We look to you in these things, King Jesus. Lord, we don't want to know about spiritual warfare just for spiritual warfare's sake. We want to understand spiritual warfare because we understand that we have been enlisted as heaven's army to fight the good fight of faith. So we look to you 
Jesus, Holy Spirit, teach us today. Where we have lack of understanding, I pray that you will make up the difference. Where we wrestle with some of these truths, I pray that you, you will help us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Awesome. So, um, John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, uh, we read this. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. How many of you have read that verse? It, it's, it's the enemy's purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. Just like God has a plan for your life, so does the enemy. And his, and his plan for, for you and I is threefold, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, and, and when we think about this, this can be applied to every area of your life. I know this has been touched on in the last couple of weeks. But anything you can think of, he wants, to, he wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. I mean, he, he, wants, to, he wants to steal anything that you feel like you've acquired that's important to you. He wants to, he wants to take it all from you. He, he's, he's the type of enemy that will give you everything and watch you find comfort in it and then snatch it all away. He wants to kill, literally, not just figuratively, literally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, he wants to kill. And, he, and the enemy is, is such a coward that he loves to kill things in their infant stage. If you think about that, he loves to kill a, a, Christ, a Christian's faith early on when they start walking with Jesus. If we look at the pattern of scripture, when Jesus was first born, what did, he, what did the enemy do? He, he used, right, this, this, uh, um, this genocide of all the male children to try to find and kill the Messiah. It happened in Moses' life. He tried to, uh, the um, Pharaoh killed all the male children so that the deliverer who was prophesied would come would be, would be murdered. This is the, the way the enemy operates. And then destroy wants to destroy everything that God has given you. He wants to destroy every good thing in your life. And I know sometimes it, it might not feel like that. It might not feel like the enemy is in constant bombardment of your life, but you have to know that he is scheming and working and angling behind the scenes at all times. He is a relentless enemy. But Jesus says this in the same verse, my purpose, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. And that we're, uh, uh, another version would say, to give you life and life abundantly. This is the life that God wants to give you. And I pray that as we even look into understanding of the spiritual warfare, it's not us giving so much attention to the negative that we're like, man, the devil wants to kill to steal and to destroy my life. I, I pray that our focus is on King Jesus, knowing that he wants to give us life and life abundantly. We want to be prepared for spiritual warfare, not just so we're slaying demons every day, but that we're living the life that God has called us to live and taking ground in the kingdom for Jesus. First Peter says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. It's a serious word. Your great enemy. He is the greatest of our enemies, and we have to recognize that. There's a, there's a movie called Usual Suspects. How many of you have seen that? And unfortunately, the, the, the defamed Kevin Spacey played an amazing character uh, in this movie, but he, he played this, this character called Kaiser Soze. And Kaiser Soze was this kind of underground, you know, kind of evil villain, mastermind, crime lord. But he says this, the greatest trick the devil ever played on the world was convincing it that he didn't exist. And I'm telling you, friends, would you think of the... the, 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 the the age before the age that we are living in, everyone knew the devil existed. His, 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 uh, his nature, his character was all highlighted so that we would stay away from him, right? I mean, you're, if you grew up in church when you were little, you couldn't watch the Smurfs because Gargamel was, was a demonic wizard, right? I couldn't have a, I couldn't have a public enemy poster on my, on my wall because I was from the devil, Right? I mean, we, 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 the devil was highlighted in such a way that you knew to run from him. And today, that's not the case. Today, it, that's not a, I'm not using this as a theology, but I do believe that we have, as, as a culture and society, have, 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 listen, I'm not, we shouldn't be finding demons behind every corner. 
But we have to recognize that the devil is at work and we must stay alert in the right ways. I'm not talking about the Smurfs. I'm talking about Lucifer and a third of heaven's angels that were cast down to this earth who were at work trying to dismantle the work of God until their great and horrible day comes. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's like a roaring lion. Uh, my, my dad used to say something, and you know, it, 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 it kind of made sense, but when you think about it a little more deeply, it doesn't. But my dad used to say, man, the, the devil's like a, like a lion with no teeth. You know, he's got this big roar, but he's got no teeth. But I'm telling you, without Jesus, oh, he has teeth. He has teeth. Scripture tells us that he has been given dominion in this world, that he, he is the Lord of this age. And so us against Satan is, is no contest. But us with Jesus is no contest. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, a final word. Listen to this, friends. Be strong in the Lord and in the might. Oh, and sorry. Be strong, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Another word to say, in the power of his might. So listen, we are not strong in and of ourselves. It is only in the Lord. It is only in the Lord. So I don't invite you to take on Satan on your own. I don't invite you to start saying, come on, Satan, let's, let's get it on. I don't, don't do it. It's only in the strength of his might, in the might of King Jesus. So are you with me? I want to go to a story in the Old Testament um, and to the book of Daniel. Uh, how many of you know the story of Daniel? And so, uh, so Daniel was, was, was a young Hebrew boy, and if uh, um, the Jews had been, or Israel at the time, had been um, taken cap into captivity. And so they were under this evil empire that was, you know, kind of sacking the entire planet. And so Daniel, being a young, educated uh, Hebrew boy, was taken into the palace and was given kind of a stature because this is what they would do. They would go into other nations and other, other countries. They would you know, take all of their, take them all into slavery, but they would take the higher class to help them de um, develop, you know, kind of their culture where they were. And so Daniel was one of these young men who was taken under King Cyrus of Persia. And so here we are, um, chapter 10, verse 1, and I will read. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. So Daniel was a dreamer. He was a, he was a prophetic man, um, young man. Uh, he understood the, vi the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. You got to think, th this, is, this is something that happens with the prophetic gifting. And if you've ever had, how many of you have ever had a dream and you wake up and it felt so real, Right? Uh, for prophetic people, people with prophetic gifting, th this, is, this is almost their, their daily lives. They are seeing things prophetically, and it feels just as real as if it's happening. The discerners have this gift. Um, those who have dreams, when it, it is something that sticks with them. My wife's a dreamer. Uh, there's dreams that stick with her for months. And there's some that, that she has carried for years, waiting for those things to happen. Some good, some not so good. And Daniel was vexed by this dream that he was having. This dream that he was having. Um, sorry, am I things, doing things again? Help me, Lord. All right. I think I'm good. He was in mourning for three weeks because of this dream that he was having about the things that were to come. Um, all at the same time, um, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, just think how specific this is in Scripture. On April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River. And I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. 
And his body looked like a precious gem, and his face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches, and his arms and his feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. And only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. And then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and laid there with my face to the ground. And just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, um, to my hands and to my knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Listen to this, friends. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Isn't that powerful? To know that our prayers are heard in heaven. And he was, he was affirming, like, listen, Daniel, we've heard your prayer. And I know that you've been in mourning for, 20, or, um, for three weeks, 21 days. But heaven heard your prayer. Then he says this. I have come to answer your prayers, but, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. The spirit prince of the prince of Persia, or the kingdom of Persia, blocked my way. Then, the, then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. I mean, I want you to just get a picture of what's happening. He is going to God in prayer. Heaven hears his prayer from day one. As this angel comes to deliver Daniel's answer, he finds himself fighting with the demonic presence that scripture identifies as the prince of Persia. And as he's contending with this demonic force, he cannot fight against this force by himself. So the archangel Michael, who is ahead of another third of heaven's angels, comes to help him contend against this demonic force. He leaves Michael there to continue fighting so that he can come and deliver Daniel's answer. Isn't that powerful? I just think sometimes we have no understanding of why we're waiting for God to answer us. I think sometimes we have no understanding of, of why haven't you sent word, God? How, why haven't you, you delivered an answer for this prayer of mine? Or Lord, why hasn't this thing come? And we have no idea what is happening in the heavenlies on our behalf. I want you to be encouraged when we talk about angels fighting for our behalf. This is a biblical truth. And what's, what's amazing here is that we must recognize the power and authority that we have through Jesus. In this, in this verse, this angel is speaking with Daniel. He's giving him his answer, but he's telling him this heavenly fight is taking place, it was taking place to get you your answer. Verse 14 now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So now he's giving him prophetic interpretation of this dream that Daniel has been wrestling with. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground and um, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision that I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can, I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength return. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And this is powerful. As we begin to engage in, 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 in angelic conversation with heaven, we draw strength. We draw peace. 
right? We can, we can then stand again and be able to take that which God is wanting to give to us. This man was in anguish. I mean, you just think about some of the, many of the things that he described and he was feeling shortness of breath, couldn't get up. I mean, man, it sounds like anxiety. I mean, how many of us have been in, in living in anxiety, waiting for God to give us an answer and this angelic host comes to give it to, to Daniel? He replied, do you know why I have come soon? And listen to this. Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So what he's saying, I've come to give you the answer for this prophetic dream that you've had that is, that is, that is vexing you. But after I'm done giving you the interpretation of, of this, this dream that you've had to strengthen and encourage you to carry on with the mission that God has given you, I have to actually go back and fight that same demon to get back to where God is calling me to. Then he says this, fight against the spirit of the prince of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. And I want to get into a little bit of, of theology on this, but verse 21 says this. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. And this is what we always have to remember, friends. When we're going through seasons in our life where we are looking to answers from God, we always have to go back to the book of truth. We have to go back to the word of God and what God has said. I'm telling you, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we look at the circumstances around us. All hell is breaking loose in our life. All hell is breaking loose in our families. All hell is breaking loose in our finances. Whatever it is, we need to go back to the word of God. The enemy wants you to look at him. Right? And this is why he, I mean, he's, he's just this big distractor. He wants to take, take your eyes off of King Jesus so that you will look at what he is doing. Brett talked about this last week. He's, his whole thing was, I will make myself like the most high God. He, 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 is not, he is not authentic in any way. He is a mimicker. He's a poser. And he wants us to take our eyes off of Jesus so that we will look at him. Many theologians believe it's because of his, 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 his makeup. Lucifer was, was the head of, of a third of heaven's angels, but he was the worshiping angel. When scripture describes what Lucifer actually looked like, uh, as Steve was saying, I'm going to have to stop referencing these guys because they said so many good things. Uh, but man, he, he wasn't a devil in a little red suit and little pointy ears and a tail. He was, an, he was a creature of worship. His very body was, was, was an instrument unto God. And you want to know why, why Satan hates worship? Because he was the one who led heaven in worship for King Jesus. You want to know why you get annoyed in worship sometimes? Or we can't focus when it comes to singing Jesus and why little babies set you off and why you're all distracted during worship time? Maybe there's some warfare going, warfare going on. Listen to this. During great distress, Daniel enters into a time of deep spiritual discipline. This is what we see in Daniel chapter 10. During this time of distress, he goes into deep spiritual discipline. And this includes the reading of the word. It includes, it includes prayer and fasting. And I'm not saying that's what it only includes, but that's what it includes for Daniel in this instance. In chapter 9, before chapter 10, we see Daniel reading from, uh, from, the, from, the, from, uh, from the prophet Jeremiah. And as he's reading, his, his heart you know, begins, to, begins to look into, into the prophetic things of God. And in response to the word of, of the Lord, Daniel begins to pray. And it's not just any type of prayer frenzy, it's intercessory prayer. And, and, and intercessory prayer is a whole different kind of prayer. And, and, and here's why. When you think about praying our normal prayers of the day, most of them have to do with us. How many of you agree with that? We could be honest, it's okay, we're in truth. Most of our prayers have to do with us. Intercessory prayer is bigger than ourselves. Intercessory prayer is, is us praying for the advancement of God's kingdom on others' behalf. I mean, we see this in, in Scripture in the life of Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel, Hezekiah, Elijah, Jeremiah, these men, these intercessors who stood in the gap on behalf of nations, right? 
Daniel wasn't just praying small prayers on behalf of himself. He was praying prayers that would impact generations, that would impact the kingdom of God. It would impact an entire nation, the nation of Israel, who was enslaved by Persia. It's kind of like a mother who's praying for an addicted child to be released from bondage. It's it's like a father who's praying for a sick child to come out of a coma. It's like a, 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 a Ukrainian person praying for the war to end in their country. Intercessory prayer is bigger than ourselves. The greatest of intercessors to ever walk the earth was Jesus himself. In John 17, we read the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's a prayer of intercession. Jesus prays not only for his followers, but he prays for those who would believe. Generations of believers. And in John 17, 15, he says this, I'm not asking for you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus knew what we would be coming up against 2,000 plus years later. He was praying on our behalf, keep them safe. From the evil one. Though it's humble in its delivery, intercessory prayer, friends, is not passive. It's not, Lord, if you love me, can you please? We need to pray better prayers, friends. We need to pray with conviction, with revelation. Jesus absolutely loves you. And it's from this place, this revelation of who he is in our lives that we actually pray, right? It's a, Lord, if it's your will. No, 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 it is the Lord's will. We have to recognize these things. God has given us his word so we can recognize his will. And through his will and his word, we can pray big prayers. Are you with me? Now, I'm not just talking about a name it and claim it kind of stuff, friends. I'm talking about us having revelation that you are a God of salvation. You can bring salvation to my household. You are a God of salvation. You can bring salvation to my neighbor. You are a God of provision. Your name is Jehovah Jireh. You can help me meet my bills this week, Lord. It's prophetic. Intercessory prayer is prophetic in its essence. It's rooted in truth. It's powerful. It produces. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great Power and produces wonderful results. Power does what? It has great power and it produces wonderful results. Um, There was this this pastor um, my father was friends with when I was a kid. His name was Induche. And he used to say this. He had a really heavy Asian accent. But he said, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Friends, how are we praying? I mean, if prayer is one of these, these, the biggest basis of our spiritual warfare, how are we praying? praying? Throughout scripture, this, this pattern of prayer has received heaven's attention and has delivered heavenly results. When we pray big prayers, we can get big results when we are aligned with heaven's will. And in Daniel's case, it included an angelic visit Friends, we have no idea what happens when we pray on others' behalf. And I, I, I remember when Vanessa and I um, lost Jordan. If you guys know a little bit of our story, we haven't shared that story in years, but when Jordan was, was abducted by his biological father and taken across the country who was hiding in, in where was he at, babe? West Virginia, in the, in, the, in the hills of West Virginia. We didn't have him for six weeks It was a tumultuous time for us. But there were people all over this country who were praying on our behalf. And I have to believe there was angels and demons in contention over our son's life to give us the answer that we wanted. And when we were in West Virginia, Vanessa still uh, 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 beginning to recognize her perfect gifting. God was saying things, four o'clock. What does that mean? Four o'clock. Something's going to happen at four o'clock. And it was at four o'clock that those officers went into that house, guns drawn, to retrieve our son for us. It was a pearl that was in a clam 
at the restaurant while we're eating, waiting in anguish. Vanessa, so filled with anxiety, couldn't even eat. And the guy sitting next to her opens an oyster and pulls out a pearl and says, hey, this is for you. Vanessa grabbing that saying, look, look, this is a promise from God. This is a promise from God. We have no idea what heaven is doing on our behalf. And it happens with prayer. Are you with me, church? The angel told Daniel, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayers. This is the God we serve, friends. And I know so many of us walk around like we have unanswered prayers, but I'm telling you, we have to go back. We have to go back and be reminded of the prayers that God has answered. We have to go back and look at the pattern of his faithfulness in our lives. We're here today, and that's a result of I don't know how many prayers over your life. Many of us were saved because of a praying mother, a praying grandmother, praying grandparents. My my great-grandparents, who were leaders in the life of this church, would pray that every one of their descendants would come to know the salvation of Jesus Christ. And up until the place... Up until the time that they died, every one of their grandchildren, great-grandchildren had received Jesus. On day one, the angelic soldier of heaven's army was sent, to, sent with an answer from God. But we, we, we got to recognize something here in Daniel's life, friends. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel didn't just whisper a half-hearted prayer at lunchtime and carry on with the rest of his day. It wasn't, oh, Lord, you know, if, if you could just, just, you know, settle this thing, God. Amen. And then just carry on. It was 21 days. It was 21 days of in the word. It was 21 days of praying. And listen, friends, it was 21 days of fasting. These, these are what we call spiritual disciplines. Some, of, some people call it spiritual practices. But if you think about discipline, you think about kind of military language, right? We discipline ourselves for warfare. And it's the same in Daniel's life. He was in, in spiritual discipline. It wasn't passive. His prayers weren't passive. He was actively participating with what was happening in heaven. And this is what we do when we enter into spiritual disciplines. When we pray, we, we, are, we are participating with the activity of heaven. When, when we are in the word of God, we are participating with the activity of heaven. When we are fasting, we are participating with the activities of heaven. Daniel didn't just send a pigeon to, to the Lord and then cross his fingers. Daniel chose to jump in the trenches, to jump in the trenches and engage in spiritual warfare until he received an answer. Isn't that powerful, friends? What prayers have you given up on? What prayers, what, what prayers of your heart, what, what circumstances in your life that you have, have offered to God you know, at one point, but now you've just kind of shelved it, you've just kind of moved on, that maybe God is asking you, you know what, maybe you need to get back into the trenches for that thing. This was Paul's encouragement to the church in Thessalonica. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Mothers, you know this, you don't stop praying for your kids. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Pray. Pray. Don't complain about it. Pray about it. Don't gossip about it. Pray about it. Go to God with your petitions. And I think some of us are looking for answers from heaven, and we haven't even asked heaven for the answer. Think about that, friends. I mean, we're looking at the circumstances of our life, and we're just like, God... Look, hey, have you, you noticed how in today's culture, nobody really communicates anymore? We kind of use gestures. It's like, right? Or maybe that's just a Hispanic thing. I don't know, but like, we don't even use words. Look what's happening. And God's like, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. Make your request known in the throne room of God. I'm all ears. God is listening. Help doesn't arrive until you dial 911. These three practices that Daniel chose to engage in 
these spiritual disciplines are powerful and effective. I'm not just trying to promote these three because there's so many other spiritual disciplines that we can be engaging in 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 our spiritual life. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, in, in, in this instance for Daniel, these were the things that were effective. Spiritual disciplines, they're not just limited to the reading of the word, praying, and fasting. But, but because they're highlighted, I want to highlight um, fasting just for a moment. In Matthew chapter 4, the devil chooses to come at Jesus while he's fasting. Bad idea. And you might be thinking, well, well, well he probably did it because Jesus was like at his weakest no, 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 friends, we need to flip the theology around that thing. It wasn't when Jesus was at his weakest. It was actually when Jesus' spiritual man was at his heightened place. This was when Jesus was operating at, 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 with the most power. He had been fasting in the desert for 40 days. Jesus. And the devil tries to come at him in that place. It was a bad idea, right? And then, so fully man, Jesus chose to starve the flesh of basic nourishment. Why? This, because this would result in, in a heightened necessity to rely on the spirit of God. This is why we fast. We don't fast as penance to God. I was like, oh, this, this thing's really bad in my life. I'm going to fast and then it's going to be all good. No, no, no. You don't fast to make things better in your life. You fast to deny your flesh so that your spirit man can rise and you can be more connected to the spirit of God. It's not to make things happen. It's not to manipulate God. It's not, it's for you to desensitize your flesh so that you can oversensitize your spirit. Are you with me? You guys understand that? And so at his, at his strength, the enemy tried to attack him. Jesus wasn't at his weakness. He was in full strength. Jesus then overcomes temptation. Listen, through the spirit of God and through the word of God. When Satan was tempting him and offering him the world and offering him the kingdoms, Jesus began to speak the word of God over him. And then the enemy, knowing the word of God as well, began to play wordplay with him. And then Jesus ultimately uses his authority because this is who Jesus was. And it's the same with us, friends. We use the spirit of God. We use the word of God. But ultimately, we need to recognize that Jesus has given us authority. He's given us authority over what the Bible calls a defeated foe. He has already been defeated, and it's in that authority that we stand in King Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to read this, verses 14 through 21. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, did you have New King James? That's cool. All right, great. And, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. I want to just preface something real quick. Some people have built a theology around this that every sickness is tied to a demonic presence. And, and, we, and we have to remove that from theology if you carry that at all. People think, oh, this guy was epileptic, so that was a, the, the demon of epilepsy was over him. We, we, have to, we have to extinguish that type of theology because then we think there's, there's demonic presence in every person that's sick. And so if you think about that, all of you had the, the COVID demon in your life, so you guys needed deliverance. Now, no, honestly, we, we have to be careful with that theology because people have built a theology around this. Like if, if there's sin in your life or there's a demonic presence in your life, then you have a disease. And so we, 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 this, was, this was an instant that the man identified it as a sickness. So the man, the father who brought the child identified it as you know, a sickness. And unfortunately, the, the English language gave it epilepsy or epileptic fits. So we have to recognize that there, okay? I'm sorry to have to stop and pause, but... I wanted to just clarify that real quick. Some people get sick and people want to rebuke demons. This was a very isolated instance, but I want us to pay attention to this because there was a demonic presence in this, in this boy's life. Are you with me? Disciples came to, um, I'm sorry, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, we could not cast it out. 
that we couldn't cast out the demon, but somehow Jesus, you could. And Jesus said this to them, it was because of your unbelief. It was because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, verse 21, I got to give another kind of biblical attention to. Some of your Bibles will not have verse 21 in it. There's different manuscripts that have been found in Scripture. Some, some, some Bible translations will carry verse 21. Some Bible translations will not carry verse 21. Some people say, well, you see, there it is. The Bible's fallible. Absolutely not. We got to look at the truth and we got to look at the pattern of Scripture. And so this is what Jesus says in verse 21. However, this kind, and what he's speaking about is this demonic presence that was in this boy's life. Are you with me? Some of you guys are like, where's that verse? I don't have that verse in my Bible. What's going on? <laughs> Brett is going to, it will clean this up for you guys later. Brett and Joe, that's your assignment. Listen, however, this kind does not go out, listen, friends, except through prayer and fasting. When these disciples encountered this demonic presence in this boy's life, they could not cast it out. And Jesus was saying it's because somehow your spirits weren't prepared for this thing. You hadn't been in the trenches gearing up in the spirit to be able to cast this thing out. You kind of went, went in cold and thought you were going to start slaying demons. And for this type, you need to be prayed up and you need to be fasting because it's going to sensitize you to the things of the spirit. It's going to give you such a heightened awareness of your authority in Christ Jesus that you'll be able to cast out these demons. You can't just go in cold thinking like, yeah, in the name of Jesus, get out. And that guy's like, what Who are you talking to? Are you with me? Faith, prayer, and fasting. These are the things that were necessary to cast out this, this demonic presence. These are the things that also deployed the angel of the Lord on, da on Daniel's behalf. He was reading the word. He was in prayer and he was fasting, which, which launched that an angelic visit to give him his answer when he began to contend against the prince of Persia. Jeez. I have a little too much here this morning. Have you ever entered into an atmosphere and felt darkness? Have you ever driven into a region and just felt like a presence? just resting over it. These demonic presences that we feel are real, friends. This prince of Persia was the demonic principality over that entire area of Persia, just like the prince of Greece. And when we see in the Old Testament, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of demonic language. It was more like the gods of. When Jesus or I'm sorry, when, when, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments for his people, in, in Exodus chapter 20, it says this, then God gave the, these, people, these instructions to the people, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods before me. Now here's a weird, not a weird, it's a strange theological understanding, friends. There were other gods. But again, these gods, the language isn't used as demonic. It's used as gods. Because these gods were, were attributed to names later on in Scripture. We see the god of Baal, Beelzebub. We see Dagon. You see all of these other gods that the people began to worship because there were principalities and rulers over regions that these people would fall in and out of idol worship with and not recognizing the demonic presence behind it. And so I'm not, I don't want to bring these things to our attention for you to just start, you know, man, there must be a, a demon sitting over Montebello because, man, I drive into Montebello. There's like a demon there, right? 
But listen, friends, why, what, we're, we're, heightened, we're heightened and aware because we have been given authority and spheres of influence that God has called us to carry as a people of God. But like the children of Israel, we must recognize that these principalities that are operating, that, I mean, friends, listen, idol worship has a demonic backing. Are you with me? Anything that draws worship away from King Jesus, as Brett was speaking into this last week, is idolatry. And behind idolatry is a demonic backing. And why we need to be heightened and aware of these things is because when we are engaging in spiritual warfare, we need to recognize the authority and the power that God has given us. So we're not talking about spiritual warfare because, hey, we're just, you know, we know that you're going to be in demonic fights all the time and we just want to make sure that you're prepared. Our hope is that you are just truly operating in the authority and the power that God has given you, that no demonic presence is going to want anything to do with you. But if demons were trying to mess with Jesus while he walked the face of the earth, how much more will they do it with us? Honestly, friends, I really believe that in this season, God is calling us to make godly stands in the arenas that we operate in. But we have to understand that the arenas that we operate in also, there's demonic principalities that are operating in those arenas as well. At your job, in your cities, in this nation, in the nations abroad. And we, we got to be able to make a stand. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It starts like this, the God of this age. It's a little g. That's a demonic presence. The God of this age is doing what? Is blinding the mind of, belie- of I'm sorry, unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is, it, who is the image of God. Listen, friend, when we are contending in this world, we are messing with the demonic operating system. This is why Jesus reminded us that we are in this world, but not of this world. And so when we're able to recognize that, we operate on a different operating system. Can you say amen to that? And so operating in a different operating system takes spiritual disciplines. It takes us walking in the things that we see Daniel walking in. It takes us walking in things that we see Jesus operating in and being alert, not just wanting to slay demons, but we're here to preach the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. As Christians, we're called to display the glory of Christ Jesus here on earth. And there will be seasons when heavenly battles must be fought for the glory of Christ Jesus. For Daniel, it was for the nation of Israel. Maybe for you, it's for your household. Maybe for you, it's for your children. Maybe for you, it's for your neighbors. Maybe for you, it's for your grandchildren. But there will be a fight for us to fight. And I'm telling you, friends, we have to be prepared to fight the good fight of faith. And we cannot be passive in this thing of spiritual warfare. I mean, I've heard Christians say, yeah, you know, I just felt like there was this demonic presence in my house last night. So so what did you do about it? Oh, I just went back to sleep. I don't want to mess around with it. So you just left the demonic presence to rattle around in the house? I I know what it's like to be spiritual lazy. Vanessa, she is such a discerner of spirit. She'd be like, hmm. There's something in the house right now. I'm like, I'm sleeping. Uh, there's something in the house. Hey, one, one time she was praying. She was battling in the spirit. And she was just like, Lord, could you let Jody fill this thing so I can go back to sleep? And rightfully so. I'm the priest of my home. It doesn't make me better than her. I just, I, I'm, I'm the protector of my household. And so Vanessa, God granted her, heard her prayer, laid hands on her. She, I didn't lay hands God laid hands on her. She went right to sleep. And then my spirit got irritated. Bing, up. What's happening? Vanessa's out. Okay, Lord, here we go. I go get my oil. I go start anointing my house, speaking in tongues over my house, laying hands on my, on my children, taking authority, whatever this thing is rattling around in my house. Someone dropped something off. And I, why do I, I'm not blaming someone, but demonic presences don't live in my house. The spirit of God lives in my house. But I'm telling you, they like to try to visit. 
And we have to take authority over those things. Just think about Joshua's response for his family. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, listen to this, then you choose, uh, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. And listen to this. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors? Who's he talking about? Now, we know there's no other gods outside of Yahweh. But there are other gods who people were falling into idol worship with. These demonic principalities that were operating over areas that they kept falling into idol worship with. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? And then listen, to this is what, what Joshua says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He is taking dominion over what God has given him. And this is what we do with spiritual warfare. We take dominion over what God has given us. Now, the God of this age, who, who we're, we heard about in 2 Corinthians, he has been given dominion over the world system but we don't operate in the world system. And so we take dominion over what God has given to us. When Adam and Eve were given, were, were created and given their, 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 their um, purpose in the garden, they were given dominion over the land. And it's the same with us. We have been given dominion in Christ Jesus. It's warfare. I'm telling you, friends, we need to anoint our homes again. We need to tear down idols, and I'm not talking about public enemy posters. Idols. We need to deal radically with sin. We need to prophesy over our kids again. We need to take back what's been stolen. This is spiritual warfare. For many in our culture, there's a, there's a heavenly battle raging over our kids, and, and, and we're just dismissing it. I mean, Satan is leading our, 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 our children by the hand into isolation which leads to depression, which can lead to oppression and, God forbid, possession. And we're just watching it happen. It's happening in culture. It's happening with our families. We need to take dominion once again. We need to be on our knees praying. We need to be in the word of God, knowing the truth of God. We need to be fasting on behalf of our kids, our families, this nation. When's the last time you interceded? And I'm not talking about offering a small prayer over lunch. I'm talking about on your knees before God until you got an answer. I speak this with experience, friends. The devil has come for my household. The devil's come for my wife and for my kids. He's used generational curses. He's used secret sin, guilt, shame to battle against my household. He's whispered death into my children's ears. Friends, when will we intercede? When will we battle? When will we wage the good war that God has called us to fight? The enemy's desire to kill and to steal and to destroy is literal. It's literal. It's not figurative. It's not kind of like, you know, it's literal. But in Jesus' name, we have been given authority over these things. Be alert and be strong in the Lord. This is what spiritual disciplines help us do. Be alert and be strong in the Lord. When the hour of Jesus' crucifixion came, Jesus was what? In prayer. He was in prayer. He was alert. And what was his disciples doing? They were slumbering. They were falling asleep. And he went and he woke them up. He said, can't you even pray with me now that my hour has come? Be alert. And be aware. Daniel was in prayer and fasting when the battle was raging in heaven until he got his answer. Mark chapter 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will do what? They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. I don't recommend it, but unless God says so. They drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. You guys grew up on Tang. You guys are going to be okay. They will be able to place in their hand, uh, I'm sorry, they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. These are the things that will accompany those who believe. 
This is the authority that Christ Jesus has given us. Not allowing a devil an inch in the spheres that we occupy. I want to read a quote to you as I land. I misplaced it in my notes. Why don't you guys stand with me? C.S. Lewis said this. There's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. I'm going to say that again. There's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch and every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Satan wants what you have. And he'll do anything he can to take it. Don't forfeit that. Stand firm in the strength of his might. If you stop praying, friends, it's time to pray again. If you stop reading your word, friends, it's time to stand on truth again. Get in your word. If you've never fasted, friends, fast. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not talking about abstaining. Some people have, have made abstinence the new fasting. Not watching TV is not, is not fasting. That's abstaining. That, that's a good thing. That, I believe that is a spiritual practice, but that's not fasting. Fasting is depriving your body of nurturing food so that you can sensitize your spirit to God Almighty. When's the last time you tried it? Now listen, if you have health issues, see your doctor. But I still even believe in that. God is powerful. Spiritual discipline so that we can fight the good fight of faith. If you don't mind closing your eyes. If you've been waiting for an answer from the Lord, maybe your heart's been in anguish. I really felt like there's been some anguish over, over, over our kids. Some of you have been battling. You've been battling for your kids. You've been waiting for that answer. And I just want, I, I just want you to get the prophetic, the prophetic image now that there's a, there's a battle in heaven going on for your kids. But friends, we have to be participants in it. We have to get in the trenches. We have to be praying. We have to be fasting. We, we be prophesying over your kids. Be speaking life. I mean, don't, don't just tell them, man, you're going to go to hell if you don't get right. Friends, prophesy life over them. Speak life over them. Call out the goodness of God in their life once again. Some of you have been operating in demonic spheres. And maybe even now the Holy Spirit's finally showing you that that's what it's been. It's been that. You don't know what it is. Your spirit has been unsettled. You just, you, I mean, man, you, you just been, you've been irritated in this sphere and God is letting you know this is what it is. Proclaim Jesus in that sphere. Stop participating in the, en in the enemy's environment. Stand firm in the strength of his might. Allow the light of Jesus to shine in those dark places. Friends, for some of us, the battle is with the flesh. And I'm telling you, friends, if you're battling with the things of the flesh, it's just as strong as an enemy as, as the world and as Satan himself. You can't do it on your own. You need to invite King Jesus into those things. For sexual immorality, addictions, whatever it could be, friends. Allow the light of Jesus to shine in on that thing. Get on your knees again. Pray again fast for that thing, for that stronghold to be broken over your life. This is what spiritual warfare is, friends. Jesus, we say yes and amen to you. Lord, I pray for a host of heaven's armies to be launched on behalf of this local church, God. 
over every family that's represented in this place, over every child that is represented in each family. I pray that the promises that you have spoken over their birth, before they were born, you knew them in their mother's womb and they had a purpose in you, King Jesus. And I proclaim those things over every household now, God. Those things which were lost and stolen, I pray, God, will be returned a thousandfold to each family member in this place, God. Lord, destinies that have been hijacked, I rebuke those, those lies in the name of Jesus. Lord, marriages who, who have begun to, 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 to feel a stretch and, and, and begin to feel a distance creeping in, God. I say in Jesus' name, unity in Jesus' name, God. Lord, I pray for the priests of, the, of homes here in this place, the husbands, the fathers, the single mothers, those who are standing under your, under your banner, King Jesus. I pray for the priests who have been getting weary whose legs who have been getting tired. Lord, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit to come alongside of them and to stiffen their backs once again, God, to strengthen their legs once again. They've been getting tired, God. They've been praying. They, they don't know if they can pray another prayer, God. They don't know if they can wait another day. And I pray, Lord, like Daniel, they're able to see what is being launched on their behalf in heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I speak destiny. I speak hope. I speak truth. I speak victory. Victory in Jesus' name. Can we say yes and amen to that, church? Let's give Jesus praise today. We, we, we sung about the veil being torn. And that veil being torn means that you carry the same authority as anyone else in the kingdom of God. It has been given to you by Jesus. Use that authority. Use it. Use it. Stand firm in the strength of his might. Don't settle for less. Don't, 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 don't count your losses and walk away. Jesus has already won the victory. The veil's been torn. The spirit of the living God lives inside of you. You no longer have to go to a priest to, to go to God on your behalf. You have complete access to him. You lay the hands. You rebuke the demons. You prophesy. You call out destiny. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Um, ladies, don't forget, you guys have a quick meeting right here about the women's getaway, so please come here. Also, um, elders, deacons, we have a meeting at 1 o'clock. We'll see you guys back here uh, in a little while. See you soon.